Well, we're going to get right into it. I want to thank Pastor Benito for letting me be here with you guys today. It's always a joy to be back at Freedom Church and uh, always a joy to be back in Austin area. Although I have to tell you, uh, just recently in the Houston area, we just recently got a Hop Daddy's. And we got a Torchy's Taco for my need to come to Austin anymore is not as uh, often as I <laughs> used, to, used to come. And uh, we're so glad to be here at Freedom Church. And uh, I hope that you never take for granted what God is doing here. It's a special thing. I hope that you uh, know that God is on the move. I hope that you know that a big part of what God is doing here is contingent on your leadership. Pastor Benito and Pastor Jennifer and all of the leaders here Day after day, they take steps of faith, and God continues to remain faithful. And so I'm excited about it, super pumped about what's going on in Take the Land. Uh, Yesterday, we were able to go and walk the land and pray over the land, and it's so exciting to see what God is doing and what God is going to do in the days ahead. And just as I was preparing for this uh, weekend, I just wanted to share with you that I think prophetically you need to be reminded it's not about land, it's about a legacy. A legacy is a good thing because a legacy is something that will outlive you. I don't want to live for something that just is only in my generation. I want to live for something greater. And I just want to speak over you for the next few moments this morning, a message that I have simply entitled Legacy. I want to share some thoughts from a man named Nehemiah. I believe this message is meant to speak to individuals in this room, but I also believe prophetically, I pray that it speaks to you as a congregation, as a church in this new season that God is bringing you into. See, the story of Nehemiah, it is about the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, but ultimately it's a story about how God works in and through His people for His purpose. It's a story of leaving a legacy, a legacy that outlived Nehemiah himself. I mean, think about it. We're in Round Rock, Texas, thousands of years after the story of Nehemiah, and we're still talking about the legacy that he left behind. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 2. As you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of the background of the story of Nehemiah. The walls of the city of Jerusalem had been broken down. Probably about 140 years they had laid in ruins. Jerusalem in that time was known as the place of God. It was the place where the people of God reside. So here is a place of God. Here is the people of God and the city of God. And yet the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. You have to understand in that time, that was a big deal. Not only did it mean that the city of Jerusalem has suffered humiliation and shame, it also meant that it was unprotected. So in Nehemiah chapter 1, the word of the Lord comes to Nehemiah that the walls of the city, he's about a thousand miles away from Jerusalem, and it it comes to the word of the Lord comes and says the walls of the city are still in ruins and the people are in humiliation. All of a sudden that drives him to a concern, a concern that, hey, I've got to do something about this, and calls him to cry out to God. If you were to take Nehemiah chapter 1 and just boil it down to one word, that word would be prayer. The first thing that he does when he hears about the walls of the city of Jerusalem being broken down is he goes to God in prayer. Isn't that a good place to start? I love that about Freedom Church. You guys put a priority on prayer. Because that is the beginning point. And so here Nehemiah is. He hears about the city of God and the walls being broken down and the ruins. And it drives him to prayer. For probably about four months he prayed out to God. That's chapter 1. 
Now we get over into chapter 2. And today I don't want to just talk to you about prayer. I want to talk to you about the word position. Are you leveraging where God has positioned you in your life, in this city, for His purposes? Are you living in order to leave a legacy? First truth I want you to see in your notes this morning is, see, God positions His people on purpose for purpose. Look at Nehemiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 11. This is the last part of that prayer that I told you about in Nehemiah chapter 1, and this is what it says. Nehemiah prays, Give success to your servant today, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was a cupbearer to the king. Somehow, some way, God got Nehemiah's attention and helped him to know you have been positioned and you have been positioned on purpose and you have been positioned for purpose. The Bible says as he's praying, he says, give me some favor as I go before this man. This man was the king of Persia. And he says he was a cupbearer to the king. If you understand what a cupbearer is, that was a pretty intimate position. See, in that time, a king would sit down to a meal, and before he would eat or before he would drink, the cupbearer would come and taste the food or taste the wine to make sure that it was not poisoned in order for the king to be safe. He was positioned right there as a cupbearer to the king. Can I tell you, there was probably days that he felt like, man, this position really, does it really matter? I'm simply here to serve the king. Maybe he even felt expendable. Hey, I'm here just because if I die, then that's not a big deal, right? He's a cupbearer to the king. But guess what? His position granted him proximity. Day after day after day, he was positioned with the Persian king. And day after day, he would go into his presence and he was positioned there. For a purpose. See, he was serving an earthly king, but he was ultimately serving a heavenly king. Positioned to fulfill God's purpose. I wonder in our daily lives, what if we begin to look at every place that we have been positioned as something greater than just a job, just whatever it is that we're going through, and say, God, you may have me in this place right now where I am for even a greater purpose. To live a life of legacy. In our daily lives, we're positioned for His purpose. I want you to turn to your neighbor. I want you to tell them, you're positioned on purpose for purpose. Tell somebody. Make sure you're awake. You're positioned on purpose for purpose. Now I want you to tell your other neighbor, your second choice, you are in a good position. You're like, I know you're in a good position. You're sitting right beside me. You're in a good position. But much more than who you're seated by today. Wherever you find yourself in life, you're not there by accident. You have been placed there for purpose and on purpose by your Heavenly Father. You may not feel like you're in a good position at work, but what if God has placed you there for such a time as this? In your marriage right now, you may not feel like you're in a very good position, but what if God wants to do something and grow something in you? Maybe you're positioned right where you're supposed to be on purpose. Maybe in your family, you are positioned on purpose for purpose. What if we begin to look at every place through the lens of His purpose? See, God 
What do you want to do through me right where I am at to accomplish bringing glory to you to leave a legacy? See, we need to get this thought out of our mind. You are not just a businessman. You are not just a businesswoman. You are not just a teacher. You are not just a mom. You are not just a parent. You are positioned in every place that you are on purpose for God's purpose. Nehemiah begins to leverage his position as a cupbearer to the king to bring glory to God. See, I think this is wonderful because he didn't sit back in a place of comfort and complacency. Think about it. He was the cupbearer to the king. His life was probably somewhat comfortable, wouldn't you think? I don't know about you, but if I'm the king and that guy is really tasked with making sure that I am safe, I'm going to take care of the cupbearer. He probably had a 401k. He most likely had the best chariot with some spinner wheels. He probably, like my boy Noel, had all the scarfs you could ever want. Oh, you know. We know that he had the best food and drink. I mean, he was drinking and eating at the table of the king. It's pretty comfortable. But he said, I'm not going to remain complacent. I hear that the place of God and the people of God are in ruins and I've got to do something about it. And it caused him for concern. He began to pray. You and I are positioned all purpose for a purpose. I want to talk to you real quickly about some keys of living a life of legacy. The first key that I want to share with you is the extraordinary begins in the ordinary. I don't know about you, but I want to live an extraordinary life. I want to, at the end of this thing, not because of me, not before, because of my glory, but before His glory. God, I want to do something extraordinary. But the extraordinary always begins in the ordinary. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 now. In the month of Nisan, the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up wine and gave it to the king. Here is the cupbearer to the king. The story of what is going to be an extraordinary legacy started with an ordinary task. I took wine to the king. That's what he did every day. Day in, day out, that was his ordinary task. And day in and day out, he would go before the king and he would take the wine before the king. And this was just something that was ordinary. But something extraordinary started when he was obedient in the ordinary. He takes wine, he gives it to the king. Let me ask you, in your life, what ordinary thing is God calling you to so that He can help you to be part of something extraordinary that outlives you? For somebody in this room, it's simply, man, I need to serve at freedom. I see this video of what's going on, and I wasn't a part. And man, I don't want to just be a spectator in this church. I want to be a participator, and I'm going to serve in any way you want, Pastor. You just tell me, and you point me in the right direction. Seem like ordinary, but God does something linking us together do extraordinary. Somebody in this room, you've never understood the principle of the tithe, the 10%. God, you know what? I'm living for myself. I'm not worried about leaving a legacy. And all of a sudden you say, God, I'm going to put you to the test, as your word says. And you start doing something that's just ordinary. God shows up in the extraordinary. Somebody else in this room, maybe it's in giving to the Take the Land campaign. Maybe it's you need to invest and invite in your friends and and love on people and be somebody who is speaking the word of truth into people's life. Whatever it is, this seems ordinary. 
That's where the extraordinary starts. Think about it. Jesus' first miracle, turning water into wine, started with the ordinary. He told some servants that day, hey, you see those cisterns over there? I want you to fill them with water. If you'll just do that ordinary task, I'm about to do something extraordinary. Those cisterns were most likely ceremonial cisterns, right? They were for the cleansing of the hands. They were for the cleansing of the feet. It was something dirty. Don't tell me that some, God can't do something with something that's ordinary. His very first miracle was some servants who said, I'll do whatever you say in the ordinary. Feeding of the 5,000, an ordinary boy with an ordinary lunch. Every time we want to leave a legacy, we better start being faithful in the ordinary. The second thing I want you to see is leaving a legacy. Another key is faith overcomes fear. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to do it with attitude. I want you to look at him and say, yo, what are you afraid of? What in the world are you afraid of? I want you to hear this point. Faith overcomes fear. Look again at Nehemiah chapter uh, chapter 2 verse 1. It says this. Now I had not been sad in the presence of the king. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing that you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then listen to this. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should I not have my face sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Of course I'm sad. I'm living just an ordinary life. I don't want to just live an ordinary life for 140 years. The place of my God, the city of my God, the people of my God, his, the walls have been in ruins. How can I not be sad? I don't want to live a life for me. I want to leave a legacy. But this brought fear. See, in that time, you didn't come to the king just any way you desire to come to the king. He was fearful because he knew that he had to come correct towards the king. And yet, he said, I'm going to let my faith overcome my fear. Pushes past fear and operates in faith. What fear in your life is holding you back from leaving a legacy? God has called you to something great, but fear is holding you back. That is something I appreciate so much about your pastor, Pastor Benito. As he said earlier, man, we've known each other for a lot of years. And I remember when he first gave me a call, he was living in Arkansas, and he said, man, I feel like God is calling me to Round Rock, Texas. I don't know anybody, but I feel the call of God. He pushed past fear and started to operate in faith. Sold everything they had and came. I remember him calling me later and they were in a hotel. Said, man, I feel like I'm supposed to move into a more permanent location, location over on Sandbass. They said, but the problem is I've got to sign my personal name to $120,000 worth of rent. Can I tell you? Take some faith to overcome fear. <laughs> Call me again. Said, man, that place isn't big enough. We've got to come to this current location. This time it's not 120,000, it's much more than that. Got to put my name down again. Faith overcoming fear. 
Then here recently he calls me and says, man, I feel like God is calling me to purchase land. I don't know how we're going to do it. We still have the bills here. But God, we want to do what you've called us to do. And once again, sign his name. This dude is crazy, y'all. I don't know if you understand the weight that is on shoulders of folks who take that kind of steps of faith. But on your behalf and the leadership of this church said, we are not going to let fear hold us back, but faith will overcome fear because God has given us a promise. And can I tell you, every step of that way, and let me just uh, speak prophetically over you. That's just the beginning. He's not done with this yet. That's just the next step. Every time we step out in faith, though, guess what? He shows himself faithful. I don't know what it is for you, but faith pushes past fear. For Queen Esther, God, you've placed me here for such a time as this. I'll pass, push past my fear. For Moses, hey, I'll go to Pharaoh even though I, 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 stutter, I, I, stutter, I stutter and nobody really can understand me. But I don't let my faith dictate, my fear dictate I walk in faith. For the three Hebrew children, hey, you know what? We're not going to bow Our God is more than able, but even if not, we will not bow. I wonder if we have even if not faith. God, I don't always understand it, but even whatever it takes, I'm going to obey. Simple obedience. Whatever it is He's calling you to, let faith overcome your fear. Real quick, I want to go to this next one. A key to living a legacy. Another thing I want you to see, it starts with me before we. I don't want you to miss this. When I was studying and I saw this, I was like, man, this is powerful. Look at Numbers chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. It says, Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? He goes before the king. He's fearful. The king notices it. And now he says, Listen, I understand that your city is broken down. The walls are broken down. What do you want me to do about it? This is the king of Persia who lived about a thousand miles away. What does it have to do with him? He asked the question, What are you requesting? Of me. I don't know about you, but this is his chance. Well, King, you have a lot of resources. I'd like to stay in my place of comfort right here in the palace. Why don't you send somebody else, King, to go and observe the walls? Why don't you send somebody else? You could send people to go and rebuild those walls. What are you? I'm requesting me to stay right here, continue to eat at your table. You send somebody else. For 140 years, it's not been done. King, you have the ability to make it happen. It's not what Nehemiah did, though. I want you to see what he says here. So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you may send me to Judah, to the city of my father's grave, that I may rebuild it. Before it starts with we, it always starts with with me. Nehemiah says, I am not going to stay in a place of comfort and complacency when God's kingdom, when I can live a life of legacy. Ultimately, he would go and he would rally the troops and in about 50-something days, they would rebuild the walls that had been broken down for over 140 years. But it started with Nehemiah saying, What I want you to do, I want it to start with me. With me. Send me. What if we all lived that kind of life? 
Pastor Benito, we're glad you had faith. Go on. We're behind you. We're way behind you. You go on out there. You got it, buddy. What if instead we said, look, we're a bunch of me's that unite it together, we. God, what can I do to live a life of legacy? Maybe for you it's just playing a part, greeting at the door, working with the youth, working with the kids. What part does he have you to play? Maybe a signing. God's been speaking to you, but you haven't signed that card that said you could count me in. What part do I have to play? It starts with me before we. And finally, and this is where I want to speak prophetically over this church, and I want to share with you that favor follows faith. I want you to tell your neighbor, I want you to turn to him, I want you to... Some of you, it's going to be uncomfortable. Just tell them, favor ain't fair. Just tell them, favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. It's one of them you could kind of kick your leg when you say that. That's fun, right? I did that to see who all the teachers were in here because they're like, that ain't a word. Well, it's in the dictionary, so there you go. Favor's not fair. But favor always follows faith. Nehemiah steps out in faith. And we see that favor follows. I want to do this very quickly. Because I want to pray over you at the end of this. Again in verse 5. I want you to see. He goes before the king. And he asks permission. Verse 5. If it pleases the king, send me so that I may rebuild. Permission. The next thing he asks for is. Verse 7. And let letters be given to me. That they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. He asked for permission. He asked for passage. But then this is where it gets fun. And this is where I want to speak over you today. Then he takes it a little bit further. And then he asked for provision. Here is the king of Persia. A thousand miles away from the city of Jerusalem. What does he have? Why does he care what's going on in Jerusalem? But look at the boldness. Of Nehemiah, he says, and a letter this that I may give, and and give me a letter that we, he may give me timber to make beams for the gates and the fortress of the temple, and for the walls of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. He says, not only do I want passage, not only do I want permission, I want you to pay the bill. I want your provision. I want you to understand, Freedom Church, that it's His vision, His provision, but it's through His people. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 8 ends like this, The king granted me what I asked for, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Make no mistake about it. It was God who had turned the heart of the king. It was God who had positioned Nehemiah right where he was as a cupbearer to the king for his greater purpose, even before he knew that. But it was Nehemiah who had to operate in faith in order to be able to walk in favor. I want to speak that over Freedom Church. I want you to understand that this message is not just a message that your pastor or myself is just up here to say. This is something we've lived out. I don't know... What will be on my tombstone, I don't know if I'll have anything to leave as a legacy, but I just know that I'm trying to live that way. Trying to live with these principles 
that extraordinary begins in ordinary. That faith overcomes fear. Starts with me, but then it starts with we. And that favor follows faith. It was about 2000, 2000, 2001. My wife and I at the time were living and working in the Dallas area. I had grew up about an hour south of Houston, and every so often we would go down to Houston and we would visit our family. One day in particular, we were visiting our family, and as we're driving through this particular city, at that time there was very few people there. So we're driving through this particular city of Pearland, Texas, named after a fruit. God, in a specific place, began to speak to my wife and say, one day y'all going to plant a church in Pearland. She never said anything to me about it. A year later, we're driving again, same exact spot. God speaks to me in my heart this time. One day, you're going to start a church in the city of Pearland. I turn to my wife. I'm all excited. I'm like, hey, guess what? One day, we're going to start a church in the city of Pearland. She's like, I know. I heard that a year ago when we were passing by here. And she likes to remind me of that now and again. God began to speak faith into our heart. It was about four or five years of being an associate ministry before we knew it was time to step out. In 2005, 2006 time frame, we knew that it was time to start a church in this city that we had not known a single person. We didn't have a microphone or a megaphone. We didn't have a dollar to our name. And yet God says, step out in faith. We called our authorities over us and said, man, we don't know how it's going to happen, but God seems to be driving us toward the city of Pearland. We tried to talk God out of it. I mean, it's named after a fruit, right? <laughs> it's hot down in Houston. I didn't want to move back to Houston. I'd been gone for 10 years. God began to just stir that. About 2005, 2006, we called our presbytery and said, hey, can we start a church in the city of Pearland? And they said, yeah. We thought we were just going to start with nothing. They said, actually, we have this building, and there are seven people. And if you'll start the church there, just let us know. And we said, no, nah, we probably won't start the church there because we're called to start a brand-new church. <laughs> the presbyter looked at me and said, there's seven people. If you run them all off, you'll still have a building. It's okay. Start your new church. That's all we needed to hear. 2005, 2006, LifePoint Fellowship was, was birth. Can I tell you, that took a step of faith. My wife and I were pretty comfortable where we were. We had been in ministry. We had good jobs. We thought everything was going to be good until God said, hey, take a step of faith, overcome your fear. When we first went, I'd like to tell you that it blew up overnight. It didn't. For the first year, we lived in a Sunday school room in the back of our church building. My wife took a shower in a little shower place off the men's bathroom every evening. Our kitchen was the church kitchen. But guess what? We were living the dream. I had friends that would call and ask me, man, how are y'all doing? I heard y'all started a church. Oh, we're living large, man. 10,000 square feet, five acres of land. We got an indoor pool, the baptismal tank. I mean, <laughs> my four-year-old was living the life. It was a journey, step by step. I remember then, a little bit later, God called us to take another step. And we got to a point in our history where God called us to start a church in Haiti. Yeah, we ain't got money to start a church in Haiti. 
we made a phone call, started a church in Haiti. At that time, bought them a, a property that was worth over a hundred something thousand dollars. Our church was bringing in about three hundred fifty thousand dollars. God, I don't know. But our faith pushed past our fear. You know, as soon as I made that phone call and said, "Hey, I don't know how this is going to happen, but God, you told me to do it." As soon as I made that phone call, I get a phone call myself. We were in a place of need. God had blessed us, but we were still in a place of need. And it was one of my board members, and let me tell you, as you're a pastor, whenever you get a phone call and somebody says, hey, I want to sit down and meet with you, you never know what to expect. I've learned to say, well, tell me what you want to talk about first, and let me know if I want to, want to have this meeting or not. I sit down in a restaurant. The same restaurant that when my wife and I were living in the back of a church was about a half a mile away from our building. And we would sit and say, God, how is it ever going to be more than seven? There was times when we would pray that a dozen people would show up to eat the dozen donuts that we bought. We took a step of faith. and I'm sitting across the table not knowing what this young man is going to tell me. He's only 20-something years old at the time, 28, 29 He was a young man that a year or two before had said, listen, see, so uh, I want you to pray with me. I'm stopping my business. I'm an engineer, but I'm going to stop being an engineer. I've been called to do something online. And I was like, oh, Lord, he's one of our only faithful tithers. What in the world? Don't stop your business. A year later, I'm sitting in a restaurant. And he tells me, I want you to know something before it happens. You know, I wasn't here last week. Well, that internet business that I did, I was gone and I sold that business. And you took a step of faith to start a church in a place that most people will never go to. And he said, I want you to know our tithe check this week is going to be $250,000. said, on top of that, the Lord spoke to us and I know that you all have about $200,000 of debt. We're supposed to pay that off too. About a year ago, in April, is the first time we talked about the expansion that we're doing at our church right now. In the back in the scenes, we were doing it. We didn't know exactly how God had been favorable, but it was still going to be a big step of faith. Get another phone call. I like phone calls now. <laughs> and a gentleman said, listen, I need you, and I hope this, uh, they know my heart. Said, listen, God's helped me and He's been success- helped me to be successful. I've been faithful in the tithe. There was a time where I was broke, but when I was obedient, God has flourished my business. I just need you to know. I need you. I need to know. I, I tried to give online, but it wouldn't ta- receive what I was trying to give. I said, Well, what are you trying to give? <laughs> and he said, Well, I'm doing a sellout on some stuff and. You know, I'm assuming it'll be about 250, and I'm thinking he's saying a tithe of 250. So I was thinking 25,000, praise the Lord. I was wrong. He meant that was the tithe. Six months later, someone else. God's faithful in my business. I've been faithful. See, the story about this, it's not just about us as a church, it's about those individuals. See, it was their dream. It was about them. 
See, they did all these steps. They were the ones that were extraordinary. It did the ordinary way back when, and God's letting them do the extraordinary. They were the one that had faith back when they were broke, and they overcome that fear with the faith. They were the one that start, said, it starts with me before we. They were the ones that said, favor is the thing that's going to follow my faith. And they weren't begrudging when they made these phone calls. They were excited. I would be too. You know what else is left in the bank, right? I mean, this time, do you all want an annuity or do you want a, a check? I think we'll take a check. $775,000. We made plans before we knew any of this was going to happen to take steps of faith and God showed Himself faithful. No, I'm not bragging on... We've been at this thing 13 years. Take step of faith after step of faith, but when we step out in faith, God will step in and He'll meet us with His favor and His provision. In April of this year was the first time we ever talked about an expansion that's going to be about a $2.6 million expansion for us. First time, April, not even quite a year ago. Can I tell you that God had positioned us so faithfully through other people's faithfulness that on day one, before we ever asked for an offering, God had had us in a place where we had nine. Well, I was able to say, we're going to need $2.6 million. We have 900000 already in the bank that's over there, and we've still got operational funds that are in good shape. Last six months, another $450,000 through God's faithfulness and through the stewardship of our leadership. Why did I tell you that? Not to brag, man. I'm, I'm careful. I, this is stuff I don't talk about at our church because, again, be careful. But I'm telling you, I'm excited that they're part of our story. But I'm also, I was so delighted that it was part of their story. They were part that said, I'm going to leave a life of legacy. They were the part that says, hey, I'm not going to just be comfortable and complacent. They were the ones that said, man, the individual, I told him, I said, uh, man, that, that, that blessed us in so, such a big way. He said, why are you thanking me? I even told him, I said, I don't know, thank you. You're just being obedient to what God told you. I said, your obedience, I literally told the guy this. I said, your obedience is no different than the widow there that's in our church that maybe all she had was $100 to give, but she was faithful in tithing in the offering. She doesn't have as much left in the bank afterwards. I don't know what steps he's taking, and I'm going to stop here. I'm going to give it over to Pastor Benito. I don't know what he's calling you to do. Extraordinary begins with the ordinary. Faith overcomes fear. Start with me before we look to we. Favor will follow faith. Father, I love you and I thank you. I pray that whatever is meant to speak over this church, over the individual life, is not just about Freedom Church. It's about our individual lives. That, God, you want us to live a life of legacy. We're still talking about Nehemiah because he didn't let fear overwhelm his faith. And because of that, you showed yourself to be faithful. Father, I thank you that somebody in this room, in their marriage, in their business, God, in this church, in an area of serving, God, whatever it is you're calling them to do, you have positioned them right where they're at, on purpose and for purpose. Let them live it out. Let them leave a legacy, we pray in Jesus' name.